Every great film should seem new every time you see it. Welcome to the Midnight Film Review, episode 91, The Quickening. <laughs> I don't know, I got nothing. Hey, I'm Colin Smith, with me as always. Mr. Brian Stevens. Sitting across across the, the booth, across the, the, uh, the, booth. the recording, the sound stage here. Do, do I look like a, 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 a radio producer jockey guy? A radio producer jockey guy? Yeah. Y- y- let's just say yes. That's right, I do. I've got a great episode... <laughs> In store for you today, if we can manage to stay on track between uh, my brain and Brian's mouth. My breathing. Uh, yeah. You're, yeah. I mean, yeah, which will probably be picked up on my microphone. <laughs> probably both recording on my microphone probably. at this point. Um, I just realized I wasn't using my my, my pop filter. <laughs> we So we, we're trying to work the, the technical kinks out here, so bear with us. You know, we're hopefully... These are the bad kind of kinks. These are the kinks that you don't want. Yeah, the the kind of kinks that nobody likes. Exactly. Um, that and that you're stuck with, and we apologize. <laughs> We're going to talk about uh, a couple things today. We're going to start off with some of the the freshest news from San Diego Comic Con. For all you uh, people who haven't been following coverage of <laughs> all the announcement from Comic Con. Colin, <laughs> uh, like me. Day and night. Uh, we are also going to talk about this just crazy, mind-blowing article on Slashfilm about yeah. Gasp, the death of 3D. What? Uh, and then we've got some emails this week for media hot takes. Brian stepped up to the plate and went ahead and saw Valerian. Uh, I, so can't he's, he's I can't gonna, wait to talk about this. He's going to talk about... Uh, Carol Delvine's uh, breakthrough um, performance yeah. piece. She went <laughs> full method, <laughs> alien bounty hunter. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it really paid off, from what I hear. Uh, and then we're going to wrap things up today with a review of Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. Oh shit! I saw Girls Trip. Yeah, that's okay. Booty hole. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Uh, we're we're gonna start off with some of the Comic Con news. Um, man, I feel like I'm just not really very excited about any of these things. Yeah. Uh, except for this little one minute teaser that came out of a <laughs> collaborative movie featuring Tony Jaa, Iko Uwais, Tiger Chen, Michael Jai White, uh, Scott Adkins, and for some reason Michael Bisping. I don't really know where he fits in there, but Pretty much all of the greatest martial choreographers slash performers working or not working in the case of Michael Jai White so much uh, in film today. It looks super fun and I can't wait for that. It uh, looked, I mean, the choreography looked insane. Like, yeah, they, they were, they looked like they were getting hit. Like, let's just put it that way. Like, that yeah. was, I, I'm, I'm pretty excited for that too. Yeah. It, it'll have to hold us over until the uh, the next raid movie. Or what's he? He's doing something else next, right? Well, there's so uh, I think it was called Headshot. And yeah, yeah. I can't, I keep every once in a while I'll think about it and try and see if it is leaked to my little corner of the the internet. Yeah. And uh, I, last last time I checked a few months ago, it hadn't appeared. So, but uh, yeah, so that's the good news. 
Brian, what's the bad news? <laughs> Uh, so I guess the biggest bad news is that DC EU universe is still chugging along. They announced was it eight movies or nine? <laughs> they eight movies. Eight movies, yeah. Um, so the Flash movie is now a Flashpoint movie, uh, which is weird. Um, Batman is still happening. And a little side note here: uh, Ben Affleck reassured the crowd that he will be playing Batman. Now that doesn't really mean anything. And the movie isn't start shooting yet. We don't even have a script because Matt Reeves tore up in Affleck and lit it on fire. Yep. So <clears throat> we're not really sure exactly what that movie's going to be about. But he said he's playing it, so we have to take him for his word. A Suicide Squad movie, another one, part two. That's uh, re- I mean, that's really the DC film we everybody's been clamoring for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because uh-huh. the first one was so good. Yeah. And wasn't a letdown at all. <clears throat> um, we are going to get a Justice League Dark movie. Which I thought that's what this Justice League movie was, anyways. Um, and then we're gonna have the Aquaman movie, uh, and so that's actually not even on this list of films because the Aquaman movie is um, one of the next DC films. Right, so right. yeah, um, so that's still that's still that might even be done filming. Or close to it. I mean, if <laughs> that's that's gonna the closest to having a film in the in the can. Yeah. That is, out of anything on this list besides obviously the uh, Justice League movie, but uh, we have a Batgirl movie, um, which is probably next to the Wonder Woman sequel that they announced. Probably the the movie I'm most looking forward to, uh, just because it's headed by Josh Whedon. Uh, I mean, what do you think? Well, I mean, we, I mean, yeah. So uh, we also have Green Lantern core film, and then the, yeah, the Green Lantern core film. Um, so the the Flash movie has been officially titled Flashpoint. Yeah. Uh, which should cause all sorts of confusion if you know anything about, about the what that means. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what, what, what the, they're just, that's how they're going to reset this universe and allow Josh Whedon to come in. Maybe. No, I mean, wouldn't be the worst decision. This, this, no, this, I can't sure, talk. Sure sure decision is that how you say that word? Sure. And don't forget about a Shazam movie. The, oh yeah, uh, I missed the sh- Shazam. Uh, everybody's favorite uh, <laughs> DC character, which just I never, I never understood. It always seemed like it was so, it was almost so inappropriate. The idea of like this twelve-year-old <laughs> right? that turns into like a fully adult so person weird. and fights. Uh, I mean, yeah, it is a weird concept for it's, a movie. I or, mean, for I. A, a hero. On one hand, it's like the ultimate f- fan service <laughs> fantasy yeah. for, you know, an uh, adolescent child. That's but true. But then when you, like, try and think about, <laughs> uh, yeah, I- extrapolating what that means. You know what? It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, so there's a million billion DC films coming, and that it's happening. So and They're not going to stop. And, yeah. I mean, we, we're getting a Wonder Woman sequel, so that's a good thing. Um, I have high hopes for Batgirl, um, and you know we'll see. We'll see about about uh, Flashpoint. I, I mean, so don't. so here's here's my thing, and I could be totally wrong. I don't, but so please, if if anybody has information that contradicts what I'm about to say, write us in and tell me about it. Uh, midnightfilmreview at gmail dot com. I don't remember Marvel ever announcing more than one new franchise at a time i don't ever remember that like 
I mean, I, I'm trying to think back. I'm sure at, at Comic-Con they may have, like, laid out a plan for the future, but I can't... It, I don't feel like it was anything like this. They may have said something like... Because we've had multiple DC movies... Or, sorry, Marvel movies released in the same year, but nothing like this, where, like, they're planning out the next 20 years of movies. Yeah, so, I mean, this is at least three... <laughs> three new characters... Uh, that we haven't seen before. I mean, it. This is. Ju- it's just. It's ridiculous. Once again, it's ridiculous. Put the cart before the horse. Yeah. Just announce all these things you're gonna do. Why don't you shut up and do one thing at a time and make it worthwhile? And I really feel like there's gonna be another Superman movie just because we know he's gonna come back. They're, they're not. I mean, this isn't a secret. He's going to come back in Justice League. They're hiding him from everything except for like the toy promotion and like some of the posters and stuff. He's like on them, so it's like. You're leaving him out of the trailers. He, he, you're not letting him talk, or there's like he's he's in this movie. Like it's not a secret. You're not gonna surprise us with his return. But um, yeah, I don't know. Do you do you want to talk about some more Comic Con stuff? Uh, yeah, I think. Oh my God, wait. There's there's. <laughs> I mean, there are other and there are other films in development um, that. We're not announcing. This is unbelievable. Nightwing, Man of Steel 2, Gotham City Sirens, and a Black Adam film. Yeah, yeah. Those are, I know those were all being talked about. Yeah. Like I said, I know there was going to be another Superman movie. It's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Uh, I just, I yeah. Let's, let's move on. Um, so, you know, every there's tons of stuff that comes out of Comic-Con, and you have tons of... It's a lot of trailers. It's like a marketing expo anymore is all, is all it really is. Um, but... One thing that I thought was pretty cool was that the they put together a teaser and announced uh, that there will, in fact, be two Infinity War movies. So you can't find the teaser anywhere online, and I'm pretty sure that it was just footage uh, pulled from other movies, with the exception of Thanos uh, wearing the glove with the Infinity Gems or Stones um, in it. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um it's not huge news, but I'm sure the people that were there were like sweet. Because what happens is they show all these people do these trailers, and back in the day before we had smartphones, that footage wasn't leaked and it, it meant something. But now, as soon as they show a trailer, it pretty much goes online. But hey, I mean, yes and no. It, yeah. They they have a an ability to control it somewhat, depending on how proactive they want to be. In, yeah. Uh, because of Google's fun. Um, <laughs> algorithms that can automatically recognize right, yeah, things, but uh, yeah, um, uh, well, that, yeah, that's pretty cool. And, yeah, I mean, I honestly, with the the roster and how long they've been building up to it, I I imagine it's worth two films. Um, well, and they originally announced it as two films, but then because it, it was called the Infinity Gauntlet, I think, is when they originally uh, slated slated these movies for release and then like once Whedon left they kind of backtracked a little bit on that and um, the Russo brothers took over and now it's kind of confirmed that Infinity Wars is going to be two movies which is that's whatever um, the the Thor Ragnarok trailer which is a trailer that I don't I don't think he watched well I mean they've been running a trailer in front of everything we've seen for like two months but the new trailer new one, is I'm sure. freaking amazing and i apologize for not showing it to you beforehand i totally it totally slipped my mind 
by far the best trailer. I mean, this might be the best trailer for any. Um, I want to say any Marvel movie yet, as far as trailers go. The first Guardians of the Galaxy trailer was pretty awesome. This is definitely on par with it. Uh, when we take a break, I'll show you. I I feel like a dick for not bringing it up earlier. You should. Um, uh, and, you know, there was a Stranger Things trailer, whatever. That it looks awesome. You're gonna watch it. We're gonna watch yeah, it. Who cares? Gonna watch it. Um, <clears throat> the other big news um, coming from Marvel was that Captain Marvel, starring Brie Larson, is going to be set in the '90s, and it's going to address why she's not a part of the Avengers. Um, and they're going to introduce the Scrolls as the villain. So. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So they're doing that. They're doing the more modern continuity of yeah. Captain Marvel, where she gets her powers from the Scrolls. Yeah, so that, um, I mean, that was really a lot of the big news from Comic-Con. Um, there, w- there was... There was one more. What did I miss? What am I missing? <laughs> down out, now. Down out, now. Bow, now, bow, now, bow. That, that was my best Bond intro. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Because it doesn't make sense because it's Comic-Con yeah. and they're talking about James yeah. Bond. Yeah, and also who cares and why is this a thing and it's not going to be good and Daniel Craig is going to kill himself. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, just briefly, uh, we <laughs> we have no details except Daniel Craig has sold his soul for an undisclosed <laughs> amount of money and we have a release date of November 8th, 2019 uh, for James Bond... 25. 25? Mm-hmm. Daniel Craig's fifth Bond film. Yep. Uh, the wor- <laughs> the world is the world is not the world is too much. Never say never. It sounds like it sounds like the people above us are going to come through the ceiling. I hope. I mean, I hope so. I-, I hope our mics are picking this up. Yeah. So. Anyway, I guess we've been alternating between really between good and really yeah. bad Bond films, so does that mean it's time for a good Bond film? I would say yes, but I don't... It's hard to say because I don't have faith in these guys, but like we pointed out before we even started recording, it's like, these dudes make a good movie every other time. Yeah, it's... it's and it's way inconsistent. Super weird. Like, two, the same two writers have been involved in the last six Bond films, apparently, and other people have sometimes collaborated with them, but just it seems yeah it's hard to wrap my head around <laughs> yeah i mean there's they go from being so good yeah. you know like casino royale is so good skyfall excellent and to just really bad quantum of solace and specter which we kept forgetting yeah. the name of before it was we so bad we can't remember the name of it i mean specter is way worse than quantum of solace but neither one of those movies i mean quantum of solace doesn't make any sense quantum of solace was boring and yeah it didn't make but any sense. The plot it was nonsense. Spectre was aggressively nonsensical, yeah, yeah. like and stupid. Yeah. Yep. It's uh, two steps forward, three steps back. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> it's a reboot with with Daniel or with uh, Pierce Brosnan, old Bond. <laughs> old, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, you wanna? Any other news from Comic Con? I mean, I think that was pretty much it. We touched the big stuff. I mean, James Cameron is threatening to make more Terminator yeah. films. <laughs> I, you know, Marvel and DC obviously are the big dogs in the room, and they really dominated this Comic Con. Um, tons of, of footage from different movies, like Black Panther being shown, and um, Ant Man and Wasp. Uh, that movie's coming out next year, so. 
uh, Thor Ragnarok, of course, uh, coming out later on this year. So, it, I mean, last year was kind of a down year, I think. For the, I mean, we had uh, Marsha uh, as a guest on. She goes to Comic-Con every year, and she went again this year. But um, she kind of told me on the side, like as a side note, that like the, the writers, the actual DC writers, just did not want to field any questions about the DCEU. Any kind of question they were asked, they totally just blew it off. So I thought that was interesting, and it's not surprising at all. Uh, I mean, I guess one thing that we should mention that came out of this, and I don't know, I didn't mention this to you either. Um, Zack Snyder is pretty much done with the DCEU. That has pretty much been set in stone, and it was released at Comic-Con, not by the wishes of Warner Brothers, but, you know, people playing inside ball, that the reshoots cost $24 million, and they were aggressive. And if you saw the new trailer for the Justice League, the, the latest one that came out with Comic at Comic-Con, it's a much more vibrant and bright palette. Um, so I don't know what all that means, still. don't have no clue. I mean, uh, like that... I feel like at this point that just undermines Warner's credibility even further because sure. they you 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 I just it's so stupid I'm I'm getting annoyed you wait until literally you're doing the final edit yeah. before you All give right. up on a director final edit of the third film <laughs> <laughs> the same complaints I mean just like God what. How are these places run? I, I don't know. I can I can answer that. Yeah. Well, speaking of things that don't make any sense, you ready to move on? <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about some three D. <clears throat> yeah. So who doesn't love a good three D movie? I know when I go home, the first thing I want to do is after a hard day of work is sit sit down on the couch and <laughs> pop on my uh, my powered three D glasses for my <laughs> three thousand dollar three D TV and. Uh, play some 3d video games um yeah said no nobody ever said uh, like three people in the universe yeah so apparently um television manufacturers stopped releasing 3d tv sets this year which yeah. i didn't even I realize didn't uh, either. then again i never have seen a 3d tv in person so i, I mean i've seen them at like the spot <clears throat> but i've never like yeah like at somebody's house that you know. Or I definitely yeah. not seen it at anybody's house. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, our old, old co an old coworker of ours had one, but yeah, no. So <laughs> anyway, um, IMAX basically ha have seen the writing on the wall, uh, and they are moving away from 3D. I guess it it doesn't really. They don't really make too many concrete assertions, except that like Blade Runner twenty forty nine is only being shot or only being screened in two D. Yeah. Um, and Dunkirk, I think that had Dunkirk was not screened in three D. No. By the way, um, and that I think that has to do with the fact that Christopher Nolan and Warner probably didn't want to pay to have it converted in post. Well, or, and Christopher Nolan is a huge hater of three D. Yeah. And the, so, the, this article basically says that three D is not profitable anymore, and that, um, but they don't. There's no. There's no statistics to back this up. But they yeah. say that three D is less profitable than two D in America this year. 
and was 3D really ever more profitable than regular film screenings? I was that a real that really happened? Yeah, I would say like if you look back right after Avatar came out, the biggest thing that Avatar did culturally was bring 3D kind of back to the forefront. I mean, no, the only thing <laughs> Avatar did. Literally the yeah. only thing. And it's so only you, contribution. You saw tons of movies trying to capitalize on 3D at that point cuz it it was kind of dead at that before Avatar came out. Well, it wasn't dead. It, I mean, it like it existed in the in the 70s as a gimmick and then yeah. disappeared. Uh, I think it, I don't think it existed in its modern iteration until Avatar. No, you're probably right. And then Avatar kind of gave it a shot in the arm and it came back to life. And uh, it seemed like every movie was getting ran, any any kind of blockbuster was getting ran through 3D post, and there just weren't a lot of movies that were being filmed in 3D. And we've seen some, you know, I'll talk about Valerian here in a little bit, but that definitely benefited from 3D. Gravity is a movie that I'm so thankful for uh, being shot in 3D. But the problem is it's really hard, and that's kind of what the article says, is directors don't want to use 3D cameras because it's really hard to use and shoot and block. And unless your movie is going to benefit like a Gravity or Valerian or Avatar from being shot in 3D, the, what, there really is no point in it. Well, there's... So, the problem is that, as far as I know, there has been one movie that was a, a true 3D film, and while some of the other f- films we've seen over the years might have had... Th- the directors probably had 3D in mind. Um, I know the Judge Dredd film, Dredd... Oh, yeah, that was another one. ...was people really enjoyed the... The, and there, like you can tell, there's some shots that mm-hmm. are conceptualized for 3D, but it it literally adds another dimension to the way you have to frame and right. plot scenes and camera movements in your mind. Yeah, uh, and I I don't think don't think anybody's ready for that. And if you are not writing and planning and visualizing the entire film from the ground up yes. with this you nailed it right there. This 3D experience for the audience in mind, then it is 100% a worthless gimmick. Yeah. Uh, and gra- so Gravity is the only film, the only film where I've seen evidence of a director who clearly was thinking in this new, new space and incorporated that into the essence of the film basically uh in, until that is happening unless that is happening there's no reason for a film to ever be in 3d well, and it's i mean it's hard enough to make to direct a film yeah, well right. in with a traditional camera you're um, absolutely right i i just uh yeah i i don't know i you know, I, so I, I, I will, you know, like I said, I will review Valerian for our media hot take segment, but um, if you do a little reading about the movie, you quickly realize that this was a passion project for Luc Besson, and he utilized 3D. Like, he, so he had, he has his own school, his own directing school in France, which is um, ridiculous, I didn't know that, but he brought like 16 students to uh, basically they all had cameras in their hands and he framed every shot using them before they even went to production so he had an idea of how to shoot this movie 
this movie was that it was 100% built for 3D very much like Gravity uh, nowhere near the quality of Gravity but the visual and the, the conception behind it was it, like you mentioned other than Gravity and I would say Valerian now Valerian those are the only two movies that I've ever seen in the theater that benefited from the use of this technology and guess what that's fine that's fine this this can be a, this can be a gimmick that's brought out every once in a while for the right purposes. Um, the other thing that you have to remember is 3D projection works better in darker settings. So that's that's hard for I mean it's hard to shoot a movie without lights. It's just that doesn't I mean cameras pick up light. And so you uh, if you don't have really 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 a really really good director who understands these things um, and for whatever Luke Basson lacks in character and writing he makes up for in, in spades with, with directing so I here's my thing Colin Dunkirk came out this weekend and it took every IMAX theater Valerian shot in 3D was not showing in IMAX anywhere uh, so one, I don't know why Valerian chose this weekend to go against Christopher Nolan, but it just what what's the point? Like, if you're not if you're gonna charge the same amount to go see Dunkirk as you are Valerian for the, on the same screen, why take the extra time to make something 3D? Like, it just it, I can see why it's not profitable. Um, I'm not gonna pay an extra fifteen dollar or an extra five dollars to go see a movie in 3D because. It doesn't add anything for me for the experience unless it's gravity or something like Valerian. But we got to remember, there's four more Avatar movies coming out, and those are all going to be in 3D. So just when we think 3D is going to die, James Cameron is personally going to come and revive it. Well, the other, the so I I don't know. As much as I want to agree wholeheartedly with every sentiment expressed in this article, the other thing they don't mention is how big 3D is in foreign markets, especially China. Yeah. 3D is huge in China. Yeah. Uh, it's hugely successful and profitable. Um, if you know now that that doesn't mean that we won't see it being phased out here, but what it does mean is these studios will still be paying to have their movies converted in post. Right, yeah. So, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I think 3D's dumb. I've never understood it. I, you know, I go out of my way to not see <laughs> 3D too. films. Yeah. Because the, I, the visual fidelity is worse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the experience is worse. It's darker, it's often more grainy, and yeah. it's just not, like, I mean, we, we just said it, three times over if the, unless the director meant for you to see this movie in 3d it's just to me it's pointless yeah it's just stupid yep so 3d's dumb it can go die in a fire already uh <laughs> let's move on to some emails what do you say let's do it all right so we we should uh we should note that oh, yes you can reach us via email message on the world wide web at midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. Send us your uh, your thoughts, your criticisms, your cats. Um, <laughs> thoughts, criticism, cats. Yeah, not necessarily in that order. Whatever order you, you desire. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's start with uh, regular contributor Will, who has been basically uh, writing our show for us for the last couple months fire. here. Um, so he sent us... Uh, 
sent us an article. He said, this article is a little old, but it's trending on Twitter right now. Just curious, what movie is that for you guys? What's the worst movie you ever saw in the theater? Um, well, I mean, that's really easy for me. Because I saw Dungeons and Dragons, the movie, in the theater, and that's the worst movie ever I made. I consistently forget that is ever a movie. And every time you bring it up, I'm like, oh, I forgot that is an actual movie that they made. Yeah. Uh, he Well, his, you should mention that the title of his email is Max Payne. So I'm guessing that's the movie that he... The yeah, I mean, that makes sense. That yeah. was It was really just... Like, there are... I think there are elements of max Payne that could be adapted to a film but in the end like it, it's just a just a crime thriller yeah, not necessarily yeah. you know max <laughs> max Payne was it's it's hard to take what made max Payne successful and relate it to yeah a film because what made max Payne successful was the bullet time mechanics. Yeah, right. <laughs> Not, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, there. Trust me, I love. I especially Max Payne too. The Fall of Max Payne, great noir story. Um, lots of classic elements right. of people you think are dead who are not really dead, and yeah. betrayal. And I really like that video game a lot. Memory and loss. Uh, yeah, great. Uh, Max Payne was fun. Max Payne to The Fall of Max Payne, fantastic game. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, what are we talking about again? Movies. Mark, uh, Max Payne starring Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> what? My, I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this to you. This is the only movie I've ever walked out on. I've seen some stinkers, but I've always just stuck it through. And this movie actually has a 14 meta score. And that movie is Kung Pao Enter the Fist. I know that some people do like this movie, or at least think it's funny. I got about 30 minutes into this movie with my group of friends, and I, I, they were like, they wanted to leave. And usually I would be like, no, let's just, like, I normally am the staunch guy. Like, I sit down to watch this, but I was like, I'm with you. This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. It wasn't funny. In fact, it was it was brutally not funny. And, I, yeah, we left. So I would say, by far, the worst movie I've ever seen in theater was Kung Pao. Into the fist. Dude, I have I have mixed feelings about that film because the first time I saw it, I hated it. Yeah, I hated it. Uh, and then the next time I saw it, I kind of understood a little bit more about the film, mm-hmm. and I think that allowed me to appreciate it because it's 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 ridiculous. It's a ridiculous thing. You know, it's like the Power Rangers of kung fu movies, right? Yeah, this yeah. guy. Yeah. Like this, <laughs> this white guy took these two kung fu films and literally edited himself into, into the films yeah. and made a sort of coherent narrative. I mean, there are some really dumb gags in the films. Yeah. But the the parts that I love are the overdubbed scenes yeah. from the old movies. Like... And there's there are actually some clever jokes written into those scenes. Yeah. So it's it's just a crazy mixed bag that movie. It, 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 it's, it is extremely stupid at sometimes, and then <laughs> actually I I enjoy some other parts. Um, yeah. uh, like I said, I know there's people who actually really love this movie. It has a pretty decent cult following. Yeah. And to be fair, I haven't seen it since that moment I walked out. Yeah. But as far as I mean, for me, maybe I should revisit it. 
maybe have a bit of it from I that. think you should. But at that, as of now, without seeing it, I that's. I mean, I walked out. It's the only movie I've ever walked out on. Look, and, uh, I think, I you know, so I have I have endured this trial. I have gone back and rewatched Dungeons and Dragons the movie because the thought has occurred to me. Look, I'm a I'm a much more sophisticated film consumer. Right. Yeah. What if I was wrong? I was pretty young when I saw that film. What if? What if I'm not remembering it correctly? What if I am doing it an injustice yeah. by labeling it right. in my head? And I went back and I rewatched that film, and it was just as unwatchable <laughs> the second time. Um, I mean, you know, there's movies. So we we talked about the room last week. Yeah, and this kind of goes along with that. There are movies that are really bad, but you like them in spite of that. Um, I didn't see in the theater, but um, Ballistic X versus Sever is one of the worst movies ever. I mean, it consistently ranks on most people's like it's like The Room, and then Ballistic or Trolls, like however you have it. But that movie is awful. But if that movie's on TV, I I have to watch it. I I can't explain it. Uh, it's, there, it just sucks well, yeah. me in. No, there, I mean it's there's there's some law where it's you know it's so bad it's good, but then there is, like you keep going down that, <laughs> that scale. Yeah. And it's it, it doesn't it doesn't follow anymore. You, you know what is a movie that uh, comes full circle and it's bad again. Yeah. That I don't think I'll ever feel that way about. What's that? Is Batman vs Superman. I was legitimately angry watching that movie. And the thing about it is, it's still it. Suicide Squad is still worse than that movie. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like I could go watch. If you were like, you have to watch one of these films again, I would choose Suicide Squad over that movie. Well, Suic- I mean, it's it's because of the tone. Um, yeah. yeah I, let's just not even get into this again. Let's move on. Let's move on. Thanks, Will, um, for your email. Thanks, Will. Uh, so we heard from Brian Alford this week. He says, "Hiya. This past Prime Day, I picked up an amazing 4K UHD TV." And following that, I spent a drunken Sunday night downloading all my Blu-rays that have digital codes onto my Voodoo account. I put about half my collection to digital. I've always been a collector going back to the VHS days, but there's something kind of magical about having the majority of your collection in one place. I finished entering the codes, and I just kind of stared at it with a sense of accomplishment and almost pride. My question is, are you guys physical media people, or do you like having everything in the cloud? I'm still 50-50 on this. Because sometimes I'll just stare at my Blu-ray shelf and admire it. Also, love the show as always, Brian. That's a great question. I think I'm I'm honestly probably with you. I'm probably fifty-fifty. I don't really have a lot of digital stuff right now, just because I don't have the space to put it on. But um, in the future, I think I'll probably do a lot more downloading. Uh, but I like having the f- the physical copy too. So I don't know. What about you? I'm like ninety ninety-five percent digital mm-hmm. uh well if, so i literally don't own any films or tv shows period i don't mm-hmm. i don't own them wow um yeah uh which is one of the benefits of having access to the largest uh private movie tracker on the internet <laughs> <laughs> is literally any film that exists on the internet i can download it in a matter of minutes to hours depending on what what source how big of the copy i want to a piracy is bad okay yeah whatever um and even going back to games like i've been my you know here's here's a here's a little bit of ep for you my steam account is like i don't know like 
really old at this point. Like, <laughs> I I registered for Steam within like the first month of Steam existing, so I've been buying digital games for forever. Wow. Uh, and even so, I've I think I've purchased physical copies of like two games on PS4. Wow. Because they were like bargain bins at yeah. uh, at like Walmart, and I was like, man, that's like too good to pass up. Yeah. Um. And then, so even my 3DS, even my, Jeez. <laughs> even my 3DS, I had, you know, I had flashcards and pirated, <laughs> pirated DS games, um, except for, I, I bought a few physical copies of 3DS games, um, of games I wanted to support or games where I'm like, the save file is too valuable for me to risk it being corrupted by mm-hmm. some weird emulation error. But, uh, yeah, I have bought very, 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 very few physical digital media like in the last decade I think the last time I bought a movie or a show was when I was working at Circuit City wow. so that should tell you that I mean that's been 11 years at this point I yeah. anytime I see a like you know Amazon Prime or Prime Day or um, they'll do random like specials on different Blu-rays I just get sucked into buying them and uh, I don't know what it is. Like I have, I have three, I have three movies in there, uh, in my collection, of movies I love: Drive, Whiplash, and uh, Boyhood. They're still in the plastic. I still have never opened them. Yeah, that I mean, that's the problem with films is, and that's why I like having like there's some films where I've had a good digital copy, for like, a long time for like a decade yeah. and whenever I can find a better digital copy I'll replace it mm-hmm. in that stash right. but don't I don't want to revisit film often enough to feel like spending money is a, a good investment um, yeah I mean I, I understand that yeah there is something though that Brian does touch on that I think I kind of really it is nice to kind of look at your collection sometimes and it's a weird I don't know what that is I mean there's a little bit of a collector in all of us I think yeah, that's. I mean, dude, that's why the Steam Summer Sale is so goddamn dangerous. Yeah. Like, I you can yeah right. You, so there there are apps uh, or web pages where you can go value your Steam library. Oh wow! At, like retail, and I mean, my Steam library is like not is nothing compared to some people I know, and I will never play every game I own. Yeah. Like even if I never buy another game in my life, right? And I lock myself in <laughs> a room. Play, yeah, it would take me years to play through every game right. I own right now that's ridiculous like yeah so there i mean collect there is something to be said for collecting i try so hard to resist that impulse and just i just stay away from from uh steam summer sales best i can the best strategy i found is if you really want a game put it on your wish list and you'll get a notification if it goes on sale yeah and if you see like a crazy sale then just pop on and buy it but that way you're not looking at Oh man, it's this game's ninety five percent off. I've heard right. of this game. Right, yeah, yeah. I should just buy it. Maybe I want to play it. Ninety five percent, and it's just it's dangerous, dangerous game. They know what they're doing. They're not stupid. They're no, not at all. They're they're smarter than us. That's the problem. Yeah. That's why we have no money. <laughs> all right, thanks. Uh, thanks for that email, Brian. Uh, I hope I hope you're not disappointed in me. <laughs> um, all right, we heard from. The one and only Rob Bob. I think it's, has it been a little while? It's been a little while, yeah. yeah. He, I feel like sometimes he, he goes through phases where he's mad at us and he doesn't listen to us for a while. 
That's it. That's all I got. I mean, I'm, I don't know enough to dispute that, so, okay. So, Rob Bob says, Brian's and Colin, Samuel Beckett, waiting for Godot, won a Nobel Prize for Literature. He made a movie, but he didn't write it, in quotations, because it was a silent film. Buster Keaton was the star of the movie. It's about 20 minutes long, and it's called Film. You should watch the movie and tell us how it is. I think it's the 60th anniversary of the film. By the way, it's a film and not a movie because the title is film and not movie. <laughs> With a love that will not be eclipsed. Rob Bob. Send from my iPhone that says Godot is nearby. Godot, Godot. Uh, Waiting for Godot. So it sounds like Rob Bob is giving his homework to do. <clears throat> I've never seen film. Have you seen film? <laughs> I've never seen film. Um, I think I think we can squeeze a, a twenty minute viewing in before the next episode. Yeah, that should be pretty easy. We'll yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll do that just for you, Rob Bob, just so, because it was your birthday on the fourth of July. Rob Bob, when we invariably forget to do this, <laughs> yeah. send us an angry email. Yeah, and well, we'll we'll apologize. Well, then he eventually we'll make us. it happen. He won't listen to us for a while because he's mad at us, and yeah. we won't get an email for a if while. You're, Rob Bob, if you listen to this, I want you to send us an email commenting on Brian's theory. <laughs> Do we? Are you? Do you get upset with us? Is that why we don't hear from you? All right. I think that's going to do it for listener emails and for open discussion. Please send us an email of your own, midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. Give us, give us content so we don't have to think because we're not very good at thinking, or words. And we'll be right back with media hot take. And we're back with Media Hot Take. Possum free. The no possum zone. What the, What are those noises that we're hearing above us? I mean, uh, human noises, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, there we go. I don't I don't know much about about things, but... Yeah, I text, while we were recording, I texted my wife and asked her if she could walk a little soft, more softly. Uh, I'll probably get yelled at for that. I'm going to be grounded. Uh, so I went and saw Valerian, uh, Colin. Mm-hmm. Um, Valerian in the... Planet of a Thousand Cities, uh, the City of a Thousand Planets. There we go. That's more like it. <laughs> I like the I like your working title better. <laughs> oh man, Colin, this movie. Uh, so Dane DeHaan, <laughs> Cara Delevingne, uh, Clive Owens. Those are pretty much the main characters. There's an appearance by, uh, there's a surprise appearance by an actor. I'm not going to ruin it because it caught me off guard and it was kind of cool. Um, and then uh, Rihanna is in Riri. it uh, for a little bit. Um, so, Colin, I don't know if you knew this, but Luke Besson wanted to make this movie a few years ago, uh, but then Avatar came out, and he said it was too similar to Avatar, and he didn't... Um... <laughs> Things you never, ever want to say about a film that you want to make. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry, anyway. And uh, so he didn't make it for a while, and then he came back to it, rewrote the script, and he we got this uh, masterpiece. So, all right. Valerian is gorgeous to look at. It is one of the most vibrant and beautiful and just, I mean, epically shot movies you will ever see. There is an opening set piece in this film that just, it, it is brilliant. It's one of the best things you're going to see this year uh, on the big screen. And if you do end up seeing this movie, see in 3D, it benefits greatly from that. I know we just talked about how bad and shitty 3D is, but if you're going to see Valerian, which... I kind of want you to because I want people to go and see uh, what I saw. Um, unfortunately, 
there is a downside to that because you're going to have to listen to Dane DeHaan and Cara Delevingne talk, and they are just awful. The acting in this movie, uh, undoubtedly, they are going to get nominated for Razzies because, the, I mean, it is so bad. Dane DeHaan's character is so poorly written. Uh, he is the worst human on the face of the thousand, the pl- city of a thousand planets. I mean... Cara Delevingne is just she exists solely for the purpose of loving him and, and uh, that I'm not even scratched the surface with the problems with this movie um, her performance is just stilted and uh, let me let me let me sidestep here so have you ever seen an interview with Cara Delevingne have you ever seen anything that she's I've never seen her talk words when she wasn't in Suicide Squad? Is that the yeah, only thing I've seen her in? Probably. So there, I thought there was something else, but there might anyway, it doesn't matter. She is a very funny person. She, yeah? She's goofy. She makes funny faces. She, she's gorgeous, obviously. She's a model. and But she has a great personality. And it seems like uh, that would translate naturally to film. So I can understand her wanting to be an actress because uh, it seems that she's very charismatic. People seem to flock to her. Uh, she, people love her. Like she just She's very lighthearted, very fun. She is so miscast in this movie. Um, her character is overtly serious. Uh, she, I don't know, man. Th- this this movie is just a mix mash of glorious, beautiful shots and great direction, and some of the worst writing you will ever see, <laughs> coupled with really bad acting. Yeah. So my favorite. I wanted to try and find this because my favorite like two sentence review of this film is. And it's about the part of the film you're talking about. I see people comparing this to The Fifth Element, but let's be honest, The Fifth Element is light years ahead of this movie. Valerian and the something-something of a thousand somethings (laughs) plays more like Phantom Menace, except every character is Jar Jar Binks. Yes! Yes! That is it. Nailed it. I don't know who that was, but they nailed that. I mean, you don't... don't Thank you, Removed by Friction on Reddit. Yes. I mean, that absolutely nailed this movie. I, you know, I, I just, I wonder if there were, if somebody else would have looked over the script and if there were different actors, how much better this movie would have been. But, um, it, like I said, I'm torn. Like, if, I, I feel like I could watch this movie again with no sound and I would enjoy it just the same. Um, yeah. There's Which, some... Once again, not what you want to say <laughs> about, yeah, about, about your film. film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I would, I would give this a strong... A strong D plus, border bordering on C minus. If if there were just if one of the actors did just a little bit better of a job, I would it would. But they are just so bad, and they do not have any chemistry. That is the other big thing, is you know Fifth Element, Bruce Willis in um, oh my God, my, uh, my mind's a blank. Um, who's the girl on it? Mila Jovovich. Mila Jovovich. They have a chemistry. Like there is something about those two on screen. Even though she has very little dialogue, this movie—they, they just—they, I don't know, it, it, it's bad. Um, I, I just like his Luc Besson's career is so confusing. I mean, his direction—I've—I've I've always enjoyed his direct. I mean, he is a great eye for action direction, especially, Absolutely. yeah, and cinematography. And he has writing credits for some, 
like Leon, fantastic yeah. script. Ex- excellent. The Fifth Element, fantastic script. And then just after that, like, so, I mean, his early career, um, Nikita, The Professional, the remake of Nikita with Bridge and Fonda, Point of No Return, The Fifth Element, uh, and then after that, I mean, Kiss of the Dragon, The Transporter, it's like... yeah. It, it like he falls off a cliff and then lands on a plateau and he's on that same plateau for a while and there's some fun films in there I, I enjoyed the transporter a lot Jason Statham is great at that one character mm-hmm. that he plays so successfully district b13 it was a fantastic film um, they did lockout too yeah that's that's more recent I mean taken road yeah. taken yeah but I just, and then he gets into this kind of cringy period with like with Paris from Love and Columbiana, Lockout, uh, Taken Two. Um, he did Columbiana. Taken wow. Three, Lucy, that. which I never saw. Three Days to Kill. Wait, he did Lucy. Yeah. That's actually a decent movie. He wrote Lucy. Oh, he wrote Lucy. Okay. He didn't. Yeah. And I was like, that movie actually was a lot of fun. The ending's kind of silly, but. Yeah. No, good. these these are writing credits. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. It just his like. It's like he forgot how to write characters, or somebody else really wrote characters in his early films. But I don't know how you can go from writing The Professional to, to, to this. Yeah, like, I, <laughs> I don't either. With, I, mean, I mean, one of the, like, just a, a, like a difficult film um, that addresses... A lot of topics and could easily be i mean a lot of people would be afraid to write like the i uh, agree with the relationship between those two characters and it's handled so well and uh, yeah it's just what happened i i don't know what the the hell happened i don't know this i mean this movie is it sucks for him like i know he put a lot of work into this movie but he needed to put more work into the script yeah or just do better casting i i feel like dean dehan and cara delavine were like hot actors or like cheap faces like they're not going to command the same amount of money as you know I'm just throwing a name out there but like Michael B. Jordan and uh, Scarlett Johansson or something you know what I mean like yeah or like they're not big names but they're recognizable names yeah so well, I think they needed to look young and they need to be pretty yeah um yeah <laughs> but they also have to have charisma and be I think so athletic and but I mean, I didn't feel like Dane DeHaan was. I didn't get the feeling he was. Didn't have talent after uh, Cure for Wellness. No, he has talent. This role is just not. Yeah. Th- it this role is almost he, you need to be like very charismatic in a um, aggressive way. Think like Mel Gibson, Lethal Weapon style. You know what I mean? Like that's this character, and he's got that like Keanu Reeves surfer kind of like. I've I've heard he plays kind of a frat bro. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's exactly the way it's played. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, let's let's move on. Let's get to let's get to Dunkirk, a movie that I actually enjoyed. Yeah, a lot. all right. Well, uh, hold on, you butts. We'll be right back with uh, the best PG-rated war movie you've ever seen. And we're back with our spoiler-free review of Chris Nolan's Dunkirk. Uh, yeah, so funny story, this movie was actually written as a PG film. 
Wow. Th think about it. You don't really. There's some. There's some shocking scenes. Yeah, that's true. There's, there's some violence, but there's no. There's no blood in the film. Yeah. The only reason it got PG-13 was because Harry Styles accidentally uh, ad libs the word "fuck" in a scene. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was set. It was set to. I didn't know that. Probably get a PG rating. How intense is that? I mean, I would think that just by the sheer like intensity of the movie that it would be a PG-13 but see you would think so but then also think about how the MPAA looks at the world and what they think is appropriate and what right. is not appropriate that's um, a good point yeah so. I mean this movie is going to be really hard to do without spoilers but uh <laughs> I mean uh, really I don't think so really I mean yeah. I, I feel like alright I mean I'll do you, do you want do you want to go? Go ahead. Then. All right. So, <laughs> this is the best reviewed film of the year so far. Uh, I think that's pretty safe to say, and I think this is Christopher Nolan's most impeachable film. Um, I also I think the importance of his partnership with Hans Zimmer, uh, as often as it is made fun of in Inception, uh, there. Watching this film, I cannot remember a time where I felt like a score and a director were more in sync and collaborated more, and that that relationship is such an important part of the film. Um, this film is just an unbelievable testament to Christopher Nolan's vision as a director and his his highly stylized cinematography um this the film i i don't know i don't know what i was expecting i don't know what you're expecting um i don't think this is really a spoiler uh this is not a character driven film at all this film tells the story of dunkirk of the the events at dunkirk it tells it through the perspective of a few different characters but the movie is not about the characters the movie is about Dunkirk and he is just he is a an incredible visual storyteller um, it's gorgeous I've never seen air combat filmed choreographed so well uh, just like every shot in this film is so meticulously constructed but not in the way that Zack Snyder does it in a way that feels appropriate and impactful and makes you think about what is happening on screen it, it is just a visually incredible film um they're like, and the way this film works, the way Christopher Nolan wrote and directed it, there's only one thing I can really criticize about the film, and I'll wait until spoilers to do that. I mean, I think it's, if you've seen the film, there's an obvious thing, but just like, it doesn't matter if you don't know anything about World War II. Um, there are some title cards that will tell you everything you need to know. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a fan of Christopher Nolan's, if you don't care about 
his his films if you don't care about I, I don't know the <laughs> the just the acclaim behind this film none of that matters just go see this film on the biggest screen you can find if they show it in 70 millimeter go see it in 70 millimeter if it's IMAX go see it in IMAX if it's the uh, whatever the Cinemark group is if it's XD go see it in XD you want the biggest sound system possible um, but this film is an experience and I I just the way he and the way Christopher Nolan builds momentum and builds intensity across multiple scenes happening at the same time is just unbelievable so I really enjoyed this film it was not what I expected this is not a war movie in the traditional sense this is the story of an event um, or of a very specific moment in a war uh, it, I, it was just it was an unbelievable experience so what did you think um, so I'm gonna start out with the with two things that kind of uh, not and annoy me I, I just I, I feel like they should be mentioned in non-spoilers because I think we should give somebody who hasn't seen this movie that may be encouraged to see it because of us uh, a little bit of the head start that we didn't get so the beginning of the movie starts with the title card and um, it gives you three scenarios land uh, sea and air and on land it says one week sea it says one day and air is one hour not knowing exactly what that means I thought I'm like well this is a, a countdown and but really what they're saying is everything that you see happens in this space that's the amount of time it takes so uh, when you're on land, what's happening, that's a week. A week's amount of time. The air is an hour. Sea, one day. So I think that that was a little jarring at first to try to figure out exactly what's going on because, um, of course, th this is always kind of a thing with with Nolan, his editing and his, uh, his linear storytelling. Um, he, he likes to play with it sometimes not in a Tarantino way but um, this is more of that like this movie honestly felt like it didn't feel like a Christopher Nolan movie to me and not necessarily in a, in a, in a bad way it felt like if Tarantino and P.T. Anderson had a baby they would make this movie um, and it, it's just because of the way that the narrative the, narr the, the narrative is structured and the fact that dialogue is a second thought but that's a good thing because one thing that my biggest complaint with with Nolan, if you go back and read my review of Interstellar or Inception, is he is not good with dialogue. He struggles with writing dialogue. And the dialogue in this movie is very technical. It's, you know, it's not a lot of um, character building like you mentioned. Everything is purposefully said with meaning. Whether the Navy captain is talking to the Army general or Tom Hardy is talking to the other fighter pilots, everything is 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 very technical there's no like joking or jovial moments really it's people just talking the only real character development is with um the the actor on the boat dang it this is why so the i don't know the actor's names the characters um most of the characters are actually not named yeah george uh, is the only character's name the, the the one of the young boys on the well the character you're talking about is is named too um but um 
he just won an, uh, an Oscar for his role in um, the Spielberg movie. I can't why, I can't, why, this is why we should always pull this up. <laughs> this is why we're not professionals. Yeah. Um, Mark Rylance. Uh, his character is Mr. Dawson. Yeah. Um, so there's some character stuff there. Um, but you mentioned, for the most part, there is, there is, this is not, this is, this, this is a movie about Dunkirk. That's, that's what it's about. What happened there, um, the, the brave men and women, both civilian and soldiers who risked their lives to, um, to keep each other alive. And, uh, man, you mentioned the score and I would say that in a normal movie, the director is is probably fifty percent of the success of a movie. Um, the performances are probably another twenty five percent. Writing is another ten percent, and the score is like five one to five percent of the. This is fifty fifty almost. Like the score is more impactful on this movie than the performances are. I see it. Yeah, I agree. But at the same time. They're, the performances are, are just flawless. Like, they're exactly what they need to be yeah. every time. I which agree. Is, it's just crazy. Yeah, The execution of this movie is is it's just different. It's, it is. It's next level in it, some ways. It is. It, yeah. it, it, it really is. But to me, like, the score is another character. Yeah. Because the score builds when it... I mean, it, 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 without experience, it's hard to explain the effect that the score is going to have on you in this movie. It's really it's a it's a weird thing. It's something I've never I don't think I've ever experienced in a movie before. Um, if this doesn't win best score, like I don't know what world we're living in. Well, not only that, but the just the sound design, the audio oh, engineering, the effects so is good. just so good. Like I I don't think I've ever been anxious because I could feel a plane oh, about to di- strafe me. Didn't like before. it. There were no. times I did not like it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Bullets being fired, hitting. Uh, man, I jumped several times in this movie, just startled. Yeah. Um, and it's very the, so the narrative is kind of discombobulating, but I think it's on purpose. I, I want. I feel like he wanted you to leave this being like, "Wow, that is war. That is what war is. It's not pretty. I don't want to ever go there." Um, yeah, I, I think he did a just a marvelous job with directing this movie. This is his. This is this is his masterpiece, uh, I believe. And it, it, I love the Prestige. That's probably my, still my favorite movie of his. The Dark Knight is excellent filmmaking, but this is just something. This is something else. This is a. This is a. Like you mentioned, it's unimpeachable. It's above reproach. It's hard to, to pick out, problems with the movie. Like I, it's. I feel like it's only going to get better on a second viewing, um, and I can't wait to to see it again. Honestly. Um, I was this close to going to Columbus on Saturday to see it in 70 millimeter, and I decided I decided not to. Uh, I saw it in IMAX, but I now I feel like I have to see it in 70 millimeter. Like it was just such a beautiful experience. There are some just there are some iconic shots in this movie that um, will go down in history, and I, I just this is an A plus film in my opinion. Yeah, the I mean I'm worried about a second viewing because without like that without the sound just it's such an important part of the film it really is I'm gonna have to I mean a subwoofer and like the speakers cranked to 11 yeah just to even come close to it's so important yeah um yeah I don't know you wanna move to spoilers 
yeah i mean go, like just go see this movie go see this movie experience it in theaters this is going to be this movie is gonna withstand the test of time um like period yeah uh, yep definitely the, the only other thing i would say is um you know a lot's been said about the actors in this movie particularly harry styles but you mentioned it every performance is spot on and i want to give a, a specific kudos to tom hardy's eyes because is there any actor on earth who emotes so much emotion from his eyes i mean first of all he's got this thing with his face being covered like his last three movies you haven't been able to see his face or well, less i guess blockbuster movies but man it's like you knew that's tom hardy just by looking at his eyes oh, man I, I don't know i i could talk about this movie for forever but let's let's go to spoilers we'll do let's do it all right we'll be right back with spoilers what honey wow are you kidding oh, really? me you just ruin it oh, every oh. time i'll see you at home well, wait so a second rude. now how would you not know that that was taking place and we're back with spoilers um the nazis win the war <laughs> spoiler alert time time travel yeah um so I mentioned that earlier. Did that? I mean, did you that not? Did you catch on to what was going on? Yeah. Um, you you knew that it was. So I didn't know. I didn't know that going into the movie, but with, I think my first the first indication that oh these, they're. Transposing these events so you get to see where the characters, where they're, they inter, inter interact where there's overlap yeah. in their stories. Um, you see Killian Murphy heading one of the boats, right? Yeah. But, um, I mean, that's even... That's kind of... It's like 40 minutes in. Yeah, but, like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like that's the only criticism you can even try and raise about this well, movie. Well, I don't even know that it's a criticism necessarily as, like... I wish I knew it because it is a little, like... Dis, you just, you're just discombobulated a little bit. It's just... I didn't... See, it didn't bother me at all like and you you kind of like i don't know you you move back and forth and like i i felt like i could tell where where they were setting it up like uh when collins crashes Mm -hmm. the other pilot crashes and you know that you i kind of you kind of get the feeling that the this uh what's mark rylance's character mr dawson mr dawson is gonna is there Mm-hmm. But then they kind of postponed that happening for a while, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't feel like it took anything. I I don't feel like it was necessary, but I I totally understand why he did it, yeah. and I don't I don't feel like it detracted from my enjoyment of the movie or it confused me at all. Or I I don't yeah I don't feel like it necessarily detracted. I just like. I just wish I knew. Like, I wish I... Because the first time I was like... It, it, it jarred me is when it was nighttime on land. Yeah. And the sun is still shining very brightly on Tom Hardy. And I'm like, what is going on? What? Yeah. And then that's when I kind of started to be like, hmm. And then, like you mentioned, Killian Murphy showing up. And I'm like, okay, this is obviously too, way before. So he's yeah. messing with the timeline here a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't think it really matters ultimately and I actually think that the movie is served better being shot that way I think it makes sure. it it first of all it makes it different it makes it a little bit more interesting and uh, it makes it 
it makes it feel more real because you are experiencing all these things happening and in your mind you're like so basically this the whole thing lasted started at, at the week and then there's like just so much that can happen in that week but then you're like there's so much that can happen in a day yeah and then there's like so much that can happen and it's like all these different things so you're if you're a, a fighter pilot man just in one hour things can change drastically in yeah. war um so i think i think it was effective and i, I don't i didn't want to come off like i it was like I, i'm saying that he did something wrong or that it was bad it was just I just wish I knew. Like, I wish maybe I understood what he was saying. Because he lays it out for you. He tells you in the beginning of the movie. You just don't know exactly what that means. So, it's not like he's hiding it from you and it's a surprise. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm just stupid. <laughs> maybe I'm, I'm sure there's people out there who picked up on it right away. But I... I mean, not from the title cards. I, I just, you know, at so at a certain point, like, you can't... If you... If you st- start them all off at the same time it doesn't make any sense you have to forget <laughs> right. about a character for yeah. like an extended period and right. that's not a good way to especially since you, he's trying to have you experience all these different perspectives so right. you still spend the majority of the time with the the soldiers uh, yeah yeah the the grunts but um yeah that i mean that way you you still get a feel for everything, and you still get these different perspectives right. on this the same event. Um, God, like <laughs> how many how many boats sank? Do you think? Oh, like I felt like just. <laughs> I mean, he was yeah like. At least three, four boats at, that... I would say at least four. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine... I, so, he does not use CGI. Like, yeah. that is... Like, no one does... He will try not to use CGI unless he absolutely, positively has to. And... So, do you think he sunk all these ships? Like, what... Like, how did he do that? I mean, it, I this... Some of... I mean, some of them were definitely CG, and some of them were... You could tell it was it was part of a set, and he's mm-hmm. just good at... He's just a good director, and mm-hmm. he knows how to visually accomplish what he wants to accomplish in, without sinking a ship, but... Uh, I mean, those scenes... You mentioned the fighter pilot scenes. Those, that, that was just yeah. glorious. But some of those... Dro- those the, the bombs dropping on the ships... Yeah. It, I just don't know how he did it. I mean, it was just done so well yeah. like uh, i mean all, all of it like yeah <laughs> everything everything was done so well and uh, just the tom hardy flying across that, that was kind of my the iconic shot i mean it's just him gliding gliding that is just such a gorgeous shot like and then um i don't know about you but i actually teared up at the end when he's reading the newspaper and the man gives them the beers like it was. I felt this sense of um, it was not necessarily, I, I, not necessarily patriotism because obviously I'm not British, but it was like a sense of like I'm a citizen of the world. Like I can, I felt uh, the. I don't know. I just I I really connected the, that, the triumph of humanity. Yeah, there you moment. go. Well, it, I mean, it is so. This is a this is just a total labor of love for Chris Nolan. Yeah, and he, I mean, this is not a heroic battle uh, right. where we 
felled a Nazi stronghold. This was just a, I mean, we, the, the, the British expected 90% casualties. They, I mean, they expected to save 30,000 men out of 400,000. And they saved over three hundred thousand. Yeah, that's. I mean, um, yeah. So, which is why this is not. I mean, it's a story about war, but it's not a, a war movie in the traditional sense. It's not yeah. the story of a battle in the traditional sense. It's the story of survival mm-hmm. and a moment where everything could have been lost. I mean, if if the Nazis had pushed through and stormed the beach um, or not been held off for a little bit longer yeah the war would have gone differently um, I mean that would have that would that was the would have been the end of the British Army uh, the French had already signed armistice by then right um, that could have been the end of the war and it's <laughs> not it's not something that most people th- know about or think about yeah. so yeah I, I mean that moment for me was it was um one of the most powerful moments I've, I've seen on in, this year. Like I haven't felt that way um, emotionally probably since arrival last year. It just it, it plucked my heartstrings pretty pretty good, and I I, it, I wasn't expecting it. That was the thing is it kind of caught me off guard. Is um, I don't know like they're just they're in this train and like you see the, everybody cheering and like and he's like you know what do we do? He's like survive that's like we survive that's enough just uh man uh what it's this movie is like you you, it's a labor of love but it's also i think it's just super important i think um in cinema uh it shows what can be done with uh with film uh it shows how you shoot a movie that you don't need 3d like this movie is IMAX, and it's loud and it's beautiful and it just, this is what cinema is to me. Like this is the essence of cinema. Yeah, it's it's loud, it's beautiful, and it's like traditional. Yeah, it, you exactly. know, it is not. <laughs> whenever he could, he used practical effects and real planes and real people. Yeah. Um, and it just, it, like it, it feels different. It, yeah. it does. It, it really feels does. authentic. Yeah, it really does. Uh, and some of the most thrilling parts of it are those dogfights in the in in the sky. Um, just beautifully shot. Like I don't even know how he did that. Like some of that stuff, it's just so amazing. Um, and I mentioned Tom Hardy's performance. I really love Tom Hardy's performance. Um, what did you think of Killian Murphy's performance? I mean, I I feel like he was. Uh typecast typecast yeah. a little bit like he's great at that like haunted the frantic on like, the on yeah. the edge of madness yeah. character yeah, yeah. Um, exactly yeah, yeah. so yeah I, that, that's the other thing too is like um, somebody said like um, you could have literally cast anybody uh, to play those roles but I don't believe that's true because um, you could have easily overacted the Killian Murphy performance uh, and he didn't um you could have easily overacted the Harry Styles performance or the other guy. Uh, I don't know his name, um, but yeah. they didn't. I, I think those, you know, were. I think everyone, 
you mentioned it. Every performance was perfect, and um, so it's it's Fionn Whithead yeah. plays Tommy. Um, he did an excellent job, and then um, one last thing is that shot of Thomas of Tom Hardy burning the airplane. What a beautiful shot that was! Too. I mean, I when. When when he's landing the plane, I was laughing. Like, yeah. after all that, he, he fucking lands the plane still. Yeah. Um, it made me wonder, like, uh, how much of the film, mm-hmm. how much of the characters... Because I'm sure George is probably based on yeah. a real person. Oh, yeah. Um, Agreed. But I wonder if... Uh, Tom Hardy is... If Tom Hardy's character was real um, and... If if it was if he was what happened to him, um, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else to say about this movie? I mean, go see it if you haven't. If you're this far, yeah, we've, we've spoiled the heck out of it. But I mean, you can't, you can't spoil this film. That's the it, thing. That's yeah, you're you're right. It literally doesn't matter what we say. Like this, it's just storytelling. Like it's already happened. It, it's just the way he. Vis- I mean, pure visual storytelling. Um, and I say that and it leaves out the (laughs) auditory elements of this film, but this is like, just, you don't need, I mean, you don't need, it's, it's pure storytelling in the sense that it's, but it's, it's not character driven storytelling. It's a Um, really weird, it's a really weird thing to say. Like, uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. I, I just I love this movie I, I adore it it's number one on my list of, of movies we've seen this year and it's going to be hard to supplant this movie I think yeah I just uh, looking at the the list of films the rest of the year it's going to take something uh, take something pretty serious to kind of knock this off the, the top um, like a Daniel Day-Lewis P.T. Anderson fashion film yeah, maybe <laughs> Uh, yeah, but uh, I'm only I'm I'm, not, I'm half joking on that, but yeah, yeah. This I mean, this movie is just so good, so good. Uh, Atomic Blonde. Yeah, I'm that's pretty sure that's where it's at. Yeah, and she already did Valerian, and I mean, we could just uh, see the, the the emoji movie out of morbid <laughs> curiosity. Oh, God, I that movie does not deserve our money. Or that our movie eyeballs. doesn't deserve. Anything's money. Uh, let's be totally honest. Eight. Uh, it's got an eight on Metacritic and a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Yeah. The. Uh, um, <laughs> somebody posted a, a quote from a, a pop star. It's like, out of four possible stars, Rolling Stone has given it the shit emoji. <laughs> we'll call it a mixed response. <laughs> Oh, there's a great movie, Pop Star. A strange and underrated, but kind of. Some, there's something like endearing about Pop Star. I, I, I really enjoy it. Um, yeah, so don't see the emoji no, movie. Just read about how bad movie. it is we're online. Not seeing the emoji movie, despite what Colin wants. 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. 8 out of 100 right. on Metacritic. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we're going to see. We're, we are seeing Atomic Blonde. Yeah. I want to see Charlie Theron kick some booty. Yep. And kiss kiss other women. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's gonna do it for this episode, right? I think that's all we got. All right, we will catch you on the flip side. Okay, bye.